Okay, we're going to give it a try. <laughs> Welcome to the Hazus User Group session. <laughs> My name is Jamie Kaplan, for those of you who don't know me, and we're going to try and make today pretty interactive because my goal and the people who are going to speak with me, our goal is to really answer your questions, meet your needs. Um, and not just talk at you, but really hear from you and see how we can help you. So uh, we're going to each uh, introduce ourselves, and then we're going to ask you to introduce yourselves a little bit. And we're going to have some give and take, and um, hopefully it will work out pretty well. And thanks for your patience with the AV stuff. Um, whenever I'm plugging things in, we know there's a massive problem. <laughs> like I'm not technically very savvy. All right, so my role is um, I work with the Hazardous Program Outreach Team, um, and my primary responsibility with that is to work with the Hazardous User Groups, and I've been doing that since uh, 1997. The first Hazardous User Group was in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we now have groups all over the country and in Canada, and we've got some international work going on. So. Um, has this user groups just a, a really general description is their public-private partnerships and my role is to really help these different groups of stakeholders work well with each other and have their individual needs met so when you look at a university local government state government private industry and all these folks come together they're doing so with with different motivations and if we have a partnership that really works effectively they're going to get out what their what their needs are as well as really help other um, organizations do a better job so I help facilitate that um, I'm definitely as far as in this country goes and, and a little bit internationally your go-to person so if you have a question um, about um, anything especially if it's non-technical with Hazus, I'm a good person to ask and if it's a technical question I'll definitely know who you should ask um, so please never hesitate to um, reach out to me and I'm going to turn the mic over to Kevin. We're all going to introduce ourselves a little, and then we'll get started and talk to you a little bit more. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, I've had a chance to talk to you all a couple of times this week. But uh, my name is Kevin Mickey. I am the director of geospatial education at an applied research center at Indiana University called the Polis Center. Um, I've been involved with HAZIS for, oh, I don't know, probably about 11 years now. I began at that point as a power user and I've done a lot of level two and three analysis of various projects around the world now. I've heard in the last session some of you. Uh, but my primary role working with HASIS has been in leading the education program. I uh, work with either developing directly or managing the development of all the educational outreach materials, both classroom and virtual. Uh, also, several years ago, Jamie came to me and we actually formed one of the early HASIS user groups, which is the CHUG. Uh, we're still trying to figure out a better name, but it works so well. It's a lot of attention. It's the Central Hazus User Group, which uh, also is FEMA Region 5, so those states around Indiana, up to and including uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. No, not Kentucky, but we'll take on Kentucky if you want to come. Off we go. Kelly. Hi, I'm Kelly Stone. I'm a and um, I'm, uh, you know, we have a couple of hugs in the region. We have an Idaho hug and a Washington hug, and Kathy's going to talk about her involvement, you know, with the Washington hug, but I really want to try to get that started again. And so um, as we go around the room, I'll try to jot down who is here from Washington, and I'm going to be a regional contact, 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 and I'm going to be a regional contact,
I'm Kathy Walker. I used to work in the military department, and when I worked there with uh, EMD, I started the Havis User Group for Washington back in 2008. I let it till 2010, until I left, and now I work at the superintendent's office for the state doing GIS, basically bringing that agency who has no GIS when I got there to actually having GIS capabilities. So I'm just here to, you know, I really would like to see the HUD Havis User Group for Washington, you know, start it back up again, and I hope you guys all want to participate. All right, thank you. So here are a couple of questions. First one is, are you currently a Hazus user? Do you currently run Hazus? See a show of hands. Great. Oops. Me and technology. Um, have you used Hazus for mitigation planning? How about for disaster response? Classroom teaching? Have you used it in other ways? How'd you use it? Floodplain analysis? Okay. Have you done any hazardous collaborative work? What? You want to explain? Yeah. Kevin always trips up people a little bit. In other words, have, have you done a project with your organization partnering with another organization? For example, a university partnering with the private sector, uh, government providing partnering with universities, and so forth. So given that, how many show hands? Yeah. Awesome. All right. And have you collaborated, worked with somebody in academia? Good. I'd be willing to bet that those projects are the most successful, but that's just, just a bet. All right, so the Hazus user groups are nationwide, and I think that the groups that are um, working with academia are moving ahead the fastest and sort of um, doing the best work, if you will. Um, there are user groups in your area. If there's not, we can certainly start one. And remember, the idea here is to take this public-private partnership and achieve economies of scale. So what you bring um, to Hazus, you can work with someone else who brings something else, and then together you've achieved more. So whether that's sharing data, technical expertise, uh, maybe you're the technically savvy person and you're running hazards and you're partnering with a decision maker, what have you. Doing that work is going to move your project forward the best. Does that make sense? Okay. The primary resource for information for hazards is going to be FEMA.gov. Now this site, we recently redid it in the last, it must be at least six, about six months. We tried to make it a little bit more user friendly, a little easier for you to find the information you're looking for. So if you've got a question about hazards or something on your mind, I encourage you to look at FEMA.gov um, and hopefully it will be there. We are restricted in what we post on FEMA.gov and there is um, a lengthy review process to post things on FEMA.gov. So sometimes um, the most accurate information is, you know, a couple days or a week or so behind, but it's coming. In addition to that, um, I personally own and operate the usehazus.com website. 
Um, there's no bureaucracy to get anything posted up on here. Uh, I work with Brenna Riley. If you send us something, unless we're swamped, we'll post it that day, with, you know, within the day or two. Um, so use has is I can, because I'm working as part of the outreach team, hosting 85% of the user group pages, what goes on use has is usually a step ahead of what goes on FEMA.gov simply because we just don't have the bureaucracy. The other thing that you're going to find on use has is the forum and the wiki. The wiki hasn't been used a tremendous amount. I encourage you to, to jump on there and use it any way that you see fit. Um, the same with the forum. This is a way that we can communicate with, within the user groups, within the larger user community, and, um, and have a record of what's being said, what's going on. As um, we produce different outreach materials, whether it's a success story or the Hazus Hot Zone, we put it up there right away. Yeah, question. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I was going to talk about that. The other website to look at is Hazus.org. Um, I did used to work in partnership with Rich Davies and Hazus.org, and it, it felt to me like the best um, option for me personally and, and for the Hazus community was to create a separate site. And in general, I'm not a big fan of dividing resources, but um, I think it has been really useful. Use Hazus has used a tremendous amount. Um, and it keeps growing. As far as, you know, he's, he's got the right AdWords or, you know, the search engines picked it up, the, the site's been there longer. I, I can do more to get use houses to move up, and sometimes I dedicate time to doing that, and sometimes, frankly, I just don't. But, you know, it's all about search engine optimization, and I do know something about that, and I do occasionally dedicate time to it, and then occasionally I just focus on the content. And, um, but. I'm, I'll take it as a compliment that you're using the site. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if there's something on there that you don't see, um, if there's something missing, or if you've got an idea, hey, we can restructure and do this or do that, then let me know because it's for you. It's for me and for you to work in collaboration to make this program move forward. So communicate with me. Never hesitate. And that, that's what I'm there for, and, and I do work with people um, nationwide, so I'm, I'm a good resource to you and, and happy to chat with you anytime. I am on the East Coast, though, so there's occasional time change. If you call me late afternoon, you might hear the kids <laughs> if I've gone home, but it's okay with me if you don't mind. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea, and we haven't done a lot with RiskMap. 
Um, and there are a number of updates that are going to happen next week on the site. So I know that we're a little bit behind. But if you contact me and just, you know, send me an email with your ideas, then you and I can go back and forth. We'll sort of map out exactly how it should be so that it's the most effective for, for you as well as the communities that may look to it. We can make that happen. Right. Right. That's a great. Yeah, I like. Actually, I like Shane's analogy. That's um, that's a um, that's a really good idea. And one other idea that's come up that we haven't gotten to implement yet is sort of if you're brand new to Hazus, welcome to it. Because when you go to the home page, it's it's right now kind of assuming you know what you want to look at, where you want to go. And I think we might need to take a step back because we have a lot of new users coming in. So yeah. I appreciate that. All right, let me keep going because these guys are going to get antsy and want to get up here, and I'm just yakking away. Um, this is kind of our go-to messaging at the moment, if you will. This is what we put out in the Hazus Hot Zone, which is the um, Hazus Program newsletter, which comes out about every other month. And what we're doing here is we're saying, join a user group. There is one in your area. I encourage you to participate in groups that are not in your area. Um, because you know what they're doing in Washington, it may be slightly different than what they're doing in Massachusetts, but there's a lot of similarities. So you can certainly participate in groups nationwide. One way to do that are the national conference calls. I host calls every month. Um, one call is for the user group leaders. So you nominate yourself as a leader. Most of you who are our leaders are aware of that, but if you're thinking of starting up a group, you're welcome to get in on this call. And we just chat for an hour, give each other some good updates, ask some questions. It's a way for the leaders to have some um, support nationwide. Uh, so that's what we do. Then the next call is a topic-specific call. This is where we have someone come on and give a presentation. It might be half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, and again, that's for a national audience. And then we do have the Higher Education Resources Consortium calls. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. And we have those about every other month as well. So this is a good way for you to participate. The other way is to give a presentation. Now, I know for a big conference like this, we asked you to submit abstracts, have a pretty organized project. For giving a presentation on a national call or on one of the regional Hazus user group calls, your project doesn't have to be as developed. It's not as formal. It's something you're going to do on the phone. You can use a PowerPoint, and um, we could do a WebEx, or you could just send the PowerPoint ahead of time. Or you can just speak to a group, even if it's only 20 minutes. It's a really good way for you to say, this is the kind of work I'm doing. Get some feedback on it. Share your project. Um, it doesn't have to be as vetted, if you will. The other is writing a technical compendium article. This is a way that you as um, technical users can really support each other. So if you've found a way to use an additional tool with Hazus or you um, figure out a way that you brought in data or something that you did, if you take a page and write it up, we can throw some screenshots in there. I'll make it look decent. We put it out there. It's a way to, to share your knowledge with the rest of the community and I really encourage you to do that. Um, and the other is success stories. Try and write up maybe six a year. Sometimes if we can, we'll do a couple more. And here it's, again, a project that's fairly well developed, but it doesn't have to be earth shattering. I frequently hear from people who are like, well, someone else's project is probably better. 
there may always be a better or a more experienced user. It's okay. You know, this is a this is a process. You know, like like Shane's example with the with the Legos. You know, even if you've got the house with the makeshift door as opposed to like the the super duper pieces, that's okay. You're not alone with it. Um, and this is a way to get some recognition for your work. It's a good way to get some outreach for your organization, your user group, by sharing a success story. And you may hear from somebody else who, who has an idea to take your project to another step. And, and we'll make it look good, and we'll do some editing with you. You just need to provide me the basics. All right, uh, throw this up there because uh, Tuesday we have another national call, and I encourage you to join us. The dial-in and PIN number for the national calls are going to stay the same with this 570 number. I don't know if you can see it. It's on use as is the number as well. That is pretty small, huh? Um, I have 40-year-old eyes. But um, anyway, I'm keeping the number the same. It's a free, it's free conference pro or something, but it seems to be working really well for us. The call that we have next week is with Keith Porter, 1.30 to 2.30. You're all welcome to join. And if you want to send the information to somebody else, that's fine. Um, if you want to get on my database of, you know, reminder emails, just shoot me an email. I'll add you to that. I'll send you a little invite that says, don't forget the call. We have them every month. They're usually Tuesdays. They're usually 1.30 to 2.30 Eastern time. I cannot meet everybody's need with the time because, remember, I'm trying to meet the need of uh, a worldwide audience. We frequently have people from Hawaii call in. We have some um, people from Canada call in. I'm in Massachusetts, so we're juggling a little. If it hits your lunch or you're barely up, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can for that. All right, so and I'm always looking for somebody to speak on these calls. Um, the same with the individual hug leaders. They're always looking for speakers. So if you know, if you thought while you were sitting here in the last couple of days, oh, I, you know, I could have really added something. And even if it's only for 15, 20 minutes, we'd love to hear from you. And I encourage you to join the other hug calls. And I post them all on the homepage of Use Has Us, a list of what's coming up. So if you're having a call, let me know so it gets onto that list. All right, I'm going to move on and let Kevin talk about training. Go ahead, Eric. That's a great idea. We're podcasting. I never thought I'd say that. But we're trying really hard to record the calls. We're posting them up on Use Has This. If you go onto the National um, Hug page under Hug Resources, that's where you're going to see a list of the podcasts. I'm going to get the... Um, list a little bit better populated. It's about halfway done. And then we're uploading them all to iTunes. So within the next like week, they should all, there's about 26 um, calls now. They'll all get up to iTunes probably next week. And the um, sessions from this conference will get up there also. If you don't want to be recorded and you want to do a presentation, totally okay. All right. Remember, this is supposed to work for you. It's not something set. There's no really strict rules. The idea is to share resources and, and help you do your jobs better. All right. Let's turn it over to Kevin. Let me give you this. Well, Jamie's uh, getting ready to give me over to hand me over to Brenna um, This is so you can actually hear these discussions a little bit later on. Got a question for you. How many of you have taken a Hazus course online or classroom in the last three months? 
Outstanding. How many of you are looking for HAZA's training at this moment in time that you'd like to be able to take a class? Show of hands. Good answer. All right, I'm going to tell you how to make it happen. Um, EMI over the last, oh goodness, nearly nearly the 20 year history of HAZA's, I guess. Uh, Phil Moore, Phil, you want to raise your hand? Phil is the man that makes it happen. He is the EMI HAZA's coordinator for training, so good man to know. Uh, go talk to Phil, shake his hand, become his best friend. It's not hard. He's a pretty friendly guy. Um, Phil and I work closely together, along with Eric Berman and others within FEMA, to create what has become, I think, a very robust HAZAS education program. I want to tell you about the current state of that program, as well as where it's headed in the immediate and the potentially long future. Uh, right now, we have a total of nearly nine courses in HAZAS. That has exponentially increased. It begins with, I have no idea what this GIS stuff is. Anybody new to GIS in this room? Okay, you guys don't need that course, but do you have people, maybe a couple of you, do you have people in your office who you think might benefit from knowing about HAZUS that really don't have those foundation skills? Yeah, most everyone does. That's the E190 course. If you take that course, you have someone take it, they come in from the ground level. I, I've heard about this computer thing. What, what is it? Where's the on button? And they learn ArcGIS. We don't even open HASIS in that course. We do use HASIS data, but we don't open HASIS. And the course is designed around emergency managers. I'm an ESRI certified instructor as well. It's not the same material. It's all focused on, well, where's, where's the building in the floodplain? Not necessarily where's the donut shop around the corner, okay? We don't do the donut shop thing anymore, but we used to, believe it or not, in the ESRI courses. Uh, but we do focus on things relevant to emergency managers. From there, we start out with the ground level of the basics of HAZUS. We do what's called a level one analysis. Somebody tell me what a level one analysis is in this room. You should all be able to answer that question, I hope. Out of the box. Out of the box. Change nothing. Give it the minimums. Let the scientists that created HAZUS do their work. You click OK. That's level one. So the basic course is all about how do you run the basic analysis and how do you begin to understand how to use that properly and more importantly how to avoid misusing it, which is every bit of, if not more important, than how do you use it in the first place. So, and that's a theme I want to make sure you all understand. The program is not about training, it's about education. I'm an educator. I'm not a trainer. I get insulted when people say I'm a trainer. Big difference. I don't tell people what buttons to click. I tell them which ones and why so that they think correctly. That's how the HAZAS education program is designed. From there, we have three hazard-specific courses that you can enroll in, each one focusing on a specific hazard. HAZAS has three hazards, hurricane, earthquake, and flood. Therefore, there are three hazard-specific courses. If you take the flood course, for example, and there's one coming up in, oh, about a month. I'm not going to steal Kelly's thunder. She'll tell you about that. Right around the corner, literally, here in Seattle. Um, you're going to learn about how to use the flood model. And more importantly, you're going to learn how to integrate your data into that flood model. So if you run local flood studies, the theme of HAZUS is, guys, we don't want to create your hazard. We don't want to create your inventory. We're all about loss estimates. So if you've got the other stuff, we'll take it. That course tells you how. We do the same thing with earthquakes and flood and, and uh, hurricanes. And then we actually have a course, I'm going to skip to the bottom of that list, called Comprehensive Data Management. In several of the sessions, you've heard about people doing level two analysis. Well, level two analysis is a catch-all word, which means I updated one building or I updated the entire inventory and everything in between. In that course, we talk to you about the gamut of what can you do. It's all about database. So if, you're a, if you want to learn how to use HAZUS, don't come to that course. If you want to learn how to update the HAZUS inventory, 
so that you or someone else can use Hazus. That's your course. Do you like databases? If you consider yourself a database geek, I love to be in one. It's great. Come. It's fun. You're surrounded by people with your mentality. It's an awesome course. Have a lot of fun. Bring your own data, by the way. If you take that course, we encourage you. Bring your data. You might have a chance to use it in the classroom. And then above that, there are three courses, E296, 176, and 179. I would be loath if I were not to suggest this. How many of you are in this room that can call yourselves HAZUS trained professionals? If you don't know what that means, I'm going to explain it. Raise your hands high. You should be proud. How many of you are HAZUS practitioners? The next step up. Well, what that pro those programs entail, Phil Moore, I can blame Phil for this, and a colleague of his out at EMI came up with this grand vision a few years back. And that vision was, let's recognize the hard work that people put into learning about how to apply HASIS and use it correctly. Right, Phil? And by doing that, what they said is, all right, well, if people take a specific group of courses, we'll recognize them with a certificate, with a pin, with their name on a website, uh, with a new car. Is that, that in the mix? Okay. <laughs> Trying to get that one in there. All right. Um, but you'll get at least three out of those four things. And... Uh, that's a great accomplishment. It's a resume builder. When, when that program began two years ago? Three years ago. Wow, I'm getting old. Okay, no kidding. When that program began a few years ago, we weren't sure where it would go. It's exploded. People everywhere. You saw the hands go up in here. And there's a lot more people in this conference and elsewhere that have those designations. So we have trained professional levels, and then we have practitioner courses. 296, 176, and 179 are those practitioner level courses. The 296 course is all about, well, I know something about how to use HAZUS now, so how do I apply it specific to mitigation planning? How am I going to write a plan? Where does HAZUS fit into it? What's required in a plan in the first place? Does HASIS do everything? Oh, it doesn't do everything. Okay, It's not designed to do everything. So what does it do? What does it do well? And how can I use geospatial technologies, other data, resources, and so forth to use HASIS as a tool in my toolbox? We do the same thing in the 176 course, but this time it's focused towards floodplain managers. That is a brand new course. Never existed, doesn't even exist now. We're in the process of finishing writing it in collaboration with ASFPM. How many of you know about ASFPM? Association of State Floodplain Managers. They're co-authoring that with us. And we're in the process of building that out. There will be a pilot course. Good, good opportunity to plug that. November 7 to 10. And there are, there are still a few openings. This is an opportunity for you to talk to Phil because people are clamoring for that one. How many of you might be interested in learning about how to use assets for floodplain management? Show of hands. Phil, we just filled a class. No kidding. Talk to Phil. Those OCs are going fast. Don't let him leave. And then the other one we're doing is E179, which is using HASIS for disaster ops. Again, it's all about what do you do in a disaster operations environment, response, recovery. How does HASIS and other geospatial tools, and it's both, fit into that world? That one is going to be piloted in October. We do still have seats open for that one as well. Again, how many of you might be interested in disaster operations? Again, I just filled the class. Talk to Mr. Moore. I kid you not. Make sure you... Darn right. Okay. Now, interesting question that always comes up. I, I hear this from time to time. And guys, you need to go back to anyone that says, oh, no one's using Hazus, and say, oh, you have no idea. 
In this year alone, this year alone, there's been 11 courses out at EMI and eight field courses, which means courses taught in places like Seattle and elsewhere. In total, these are classroom courses. We've trained 237 in, at EMI. How many of you have no idea what EMI is? Anybody not know what EMI is? That makes Phil happy, by the way. It means they're doing their job. Okay. Where is EMI? Emmitsburg. Where is Emmitsburg? Maryland. Where in Maryland? Where's that? Below Gettysburg. Below Gettysburg. That's a great marketing tool. <laughs> Eight miles south of Gettysburg. You've got to go to Gettysburg if you haven't been to EMI. Make a friend if you don't have a car. How much does it cost to go to EMI? Airfare. Depends on who you are. doesn't even cost airfare if you're state government, right? State or local government. It's free. FEMA picks you up at the airport. They'll take you to EMI in this beautiful, fully decked out bus. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, it really is. It's a coach bus. Not bad. It's not a school bus. Actually, there is one. But they will put you up in a dorm room. Cost nothing for any of the things I've mentioned. They'll reimburse you for all those ex travel expenses. The only thing it costs you is a meal ticket, which last I heard was 100 and... Oh, man, is 104 now? For the entire week. All you can eat. There you go. Free internet access. <laughs> What's that? Yes, ma'am. Come talk to me afterwards. Phil and I would have a conversation with you, eh? Yes, ma'am. Anything is possible. Uh, ASFPM, as a case in point, is actually looking at giving credit for the 176 course for the floodplain manager credential. Not a definite yet, but it's looking real good. Yep. Okay, so if you're not government, how much does it really cost? Phil? So, If, if you are working with a state agency, work through them to go to EMI, because then you're treated as that agency, correct, Phil? Yes. Yes. Talk to Phil. Yeah. Uh, this is where I don't wear a FEMA badge, and therefore I send it right to the FEMA person. So, yeah. Okay. Also, good news. One of the things that's been a problem in the past is we've had a dearth of instructors, a very small number. Well, we have created a cadre of certified instructors. They have been tested. They've been vetted. You met one of them a little bit earlier. Where is Caroline? Not here in the room. Okay. Anybody an instructor in here? Okay. There we go. Got some hands back there, myself, of course, included. All right. So there are instructors available. How are you going to get training in your regions as opposed to EMI? Well, first of all, you want to go to EMI because it's really cool. Nice place. It really is. But if that's not convenient for you, and it may not be, then what are you going to do? You're going to go to the Use Hazus website. You're going to go to the spot where it says FEMA Hazus Points of Contact in each region, and you're going to pick up the phone and make a call to someone like Kelly for Region 10. That's how you're going to do it and work through them, and they know all the uh, steps to go through the process, okay? 
Now, if classroom training is too doggone inconvenient for you, you cannot afford three days or even four days, or if you go to EMI, you're committing Sunday through Friday of your life for training, then there is a plan B. FEMA recognized that it needed to make an investment in the virtual world, and it has done so. Um, if you go to the ESRI virtual campus, who's taken an ESRI virtual course? Everyone that's an ArcGIS user, probably. Okay. ESRI has been a phenomenal partner with FEMA over the last few years. They have helped us put up on their website currently five, soon to be third, 15 courses. Those courses have been extraordinarily successful. You will, by the end of September, be able to take not only a Hazards for Decision Makers webinar, it's nothing but a, no, not nothing, but it's, it's a video designed for the people that don't want to click the buttons, but they do want to know how the tool works and what it does for them. And it's about 40 minutes long. There's over 4,000 people that have viewed that particular webinar. Lots of great feedback. You'll be able to take that, and you can do that right now, by the way. Okay, Nobody has any plans this afternoon, right? Go back to your rooms, watch it. It's great. You will also be able to take a complete equivalent of the E313 course. That's a great new development. You will not get an EMI certificate for that course, but Phil there will give you credit towards your Hazardous Trained Professional or Practitioner certificates if you email him. That's a good thing to do. Philip bought more at DHS.gov. Get his card. Did you bring a thousand of them? There you go. <laughs> you can also take an introductory course in data management. You can take a course in even making some of your own local flood data come into Hazus. Lots going on online, and I expect more to come in the in the coming months. So we'll see how that goes. The EMI, course, uh, the EMI courses to state and local government are free, but none of the virtual campus courses, with the exception of the decision makers, which is free, are free. They're about 30 bucks each. But you're doing them on your own time. They're separate mini courses. It takes maybe a couple of hours to complete any one of them, and they are hands-on exercises with the exception of the decision makers. Now, we've trained a couple of hundred people in the classroom just to give you an idea of how successful these courses are, I know that text is way too small to read. The only number I really care about, these are statistics from January to the end of July. Only since that period of time, there have been 1,375 people that have taken HAZUS training. So next time somebody says to you, I don't think anybody's using HAZUS, use the number 1,375, plus the traditional classrooms. Yes, there is hazardous people. There are hazardous people out there, and more all the time, exponentially increasing. Now, enough about training, sort of. I'm going to make a slight linkage jump. Now, how many people are from the higher education community? You work in academia. Okay. The next part of this might seem that it's only directed towards you. That's absolutely not the case. You are the key to making what I'm about to talk to work. But it's not just about you. Everyone else in here is going to benefit from what I'm about to get into. Jamie, I think, is solely credited with coming up with this vision, right? Okay. We'll give her credit, okay? <laughs> Jamie's a neat person. I'll give her credit. Um, the Higher Education Resources Consortium is a vision becoming a reality. I think that's a reasonable way to describe it. 
The mission of the HERC is really to engage, engage people in academia in areas that they can contribute to making houses what we all want it to be. That's essentially what it's about. Since last year, it's been very productive. We have formed a focus group that has worked together to define specific mission statements, figuring out what do universities do best and how does HACCP fit into that. We've set priorities, we're working on finalizing a concept proposal, and more importantly, we've got a website up. You can go to that anytime you want. Oh, by the way, did you notice you can get to that from Use Hassis? So go to usehassis.com slash herc. It's out there and growing exponentially. The priorities that we've set really are the same things that define the mission of academia. Education and teaching is most certainly one. Now, when we talk about teaching in a, a traditional Hassis classroom like E313, the goal really is towards the practitioners. We're there to teach you which buttons to click and how to use the data. When we're talking about teaching in academia, though, it's about the science. It's about the concepts. So in an academic setting, typically, we're, we're referring to using Hassis to teach a principle. Not necessarily for the sake of teaching Hassis to teach Hassis, but merely to teach a principle. So that's what I'm referring to in the teaching and education side. Although, make no mistake, some universities, my own included, do the practical training as well. Do both. The second, I think, is probably the single most critical thing for the role of the HERC, and that is research. I'm going to say something that's going to perhaps sound like blasphemy out there. We want to engage people regardless of whether they use HASIS. They may not care about HASIS. That's a shocking statement, isn't it? Who wouldn't care about houses? Well, the fact of the matter is researchers are not there to promote a specific tool. Would you agree with that, those of you in academia? That's not what it's about. Um, if I'm sitting in a, a, I teach at a university, if I'm getting students in my classroom that are there to learn about how do I use this tool, I'm not doing a good job teaching them and they probably aren't going to show up to my classroom in the first place. What they want to know is, teach me about the science of hazard modeling. Teach me about the practical applications of these things, and show me perhaps the tools of the day to help me understand those concepts. The, the research angle of the HERC is directed towards people that may be doing something of value to the hazardous community. For example, researching better ways to interpret where people will need shelter, researching how hazards are best modeled, researching what's going to happen in a disaster, looking at the socioeconomic dynamics that may occur when people are making decisions in high action situations. These are research questions, and they may not be HASIS users, but we need, as the HASIS community, to know what they know so that we can continue to improve the model so that it does what it needs to do more effectively. Do you agree with that? So what I need you guys to do that are not already in academia is make a friend. Talk to your researchers, talk to your universities, talk to your colleges, and let them know that this is a role for them. Those are the people we're trying to engage in the Higher Education Resource Consortium, some of them. And then, of course, the other piece is universities are more and more often doing service learning. Um, good case in point, you've already heard a couple of examples of universities supporting things like mitigation plan development, like national studies. Ours does that, and there are many others represented as well. So that's the third angle. And, of course, all of these are important roles for the universities. So a question for you. From a university or college, um, I want to make sure we keep moving along. We'll do this for about five minutes, maybe. 
Does anyone have a great example for how your higher education institution has supported a community? Anybody want to throw something out? Go ahead. Got another mic. Okay. See. Yeah. Perfect example. Outstanding. Got another example? Don't have a ton of academic folks in here, so I don't expect a lot. Let's try this. Communities. How many of you, and I saw some hands, so I know who you are. How many of you, again, show of hands, are from communities that have engaged? an academic institution in some fashion. There's Phil back there. Uh, do you want to, Jamie? you want to get uh, this one and make a run back to Phil real quick? Um, I've utilized Western Washington University up in Bellingham to help us look at some of the earthquake modeling uh, for the specific fault lines down. that say Walker County. Dr. Checked in. Exactly. Yes. jurisdictional. Thank you. <laughs> Say where you're from, too, please. Uh, I know you, but nobody else might. From the city of Riverside, uh, we're actually using two different universities. Uh, we have an intern from UCR in the city of Riverside that is specifically looking at the university um, and developing not only uh, updating the Awesome example. Got one more?
Great example. Let me throw another question at you. What types of things can you guys think of that we might not have mentioned? Think big, that universities might be in a position to help you do. There are no limits to this discussion because the people that are hopefully listening are both on the university side plus on the community side that you might hear something maybe you hadn't thought of. Anybody got anything creative? This is your chance to be creative. Remember I said we're going to solve all the problems of the universe. Here it is. Yeah, Stephanie? just heard too indirectly and I hope the community's caught on to this. This is something that in academia what we tell students is that that diploma that you get is wonderful, it's lovely, but you know what without practical experience you're in a heavy competition mode and it's getting worse not better. So those practical projects that Stephanie just mentioned, that's a great opportunity not only for the academics in the room but for the local governments to contact those academic institutions and say, I got a project for you. There's some things you may not have money to do. Are you guys working with unlimited funds? That may be an incorrect statement. All right. All right, so that, that might have some merit to it. Contact your universities. Find out if you can engage them because those students, they'll do projects. And by the way, remember, if you're working with a graduate student, they're one minute from being engineers, from professionals. Okay? They finish the coursework in many cases. Uh, one from the back row. I'll get you back to Phil. One thing is we've got still a lot more material to cover, but just one thing, just as an aside, this is a great opportunity for collaboration, not only between the government entities and the universities, but also with the private sector as well. I know our university does, I think, a great job collaborating in all those different angles. Everybody brings what they do best to the table, and together they can do great things. So, you know, consider that. Hey, you know what? I'm going to turn this over to Kelly. She's going to tell you what's happening here. And even though this is specific to Region 10, think about what could you do that Kelly is doing here, maybe in your own regions? Uh -huh. Great. Well, by a show of hands, how many here are from Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Alaska, or Canada? 
Well, great. <laughs> Most of the room. Well, we have some good news. Um, I just organized with Kevin that we're going to be teaching a Hazus flood course here in Region 10. It's going to be at our Bothell office, which is about 20 minutes north of here. So that's September 27th through 29th. So put that on your calendar. And um, after this session, Kevin and I will be up here. If you are interested in attending, come and see us so I can at least try to get you on the list. You will have to bring your own laptops, Hazus ready. And, of course, anybody outside of the region is welcome to come also. We'll do it after the last session. The next one's back-to-back, -back, I think. This one. There's a break after no, this. Okay. Break. okay. Yeah, so after this, just come up, and, and um, we'll give you some more information on the course. So I just wanted to kind of update some, you know, everybody what we've done in the region. And, um, you know, and all of these projects are open to everybody. We want to share all of the work we do with you. So some of the projects that we've done, um, some of you may have heard about the Green River Valley and our major dam concern that happened um, a couple years ago with issues of a potential dam failure. So um, that was a pretty extensive hazardous analysis that was completed. The Green River is just about 10 minutes south of here. Um, so we have quite a bit of data for that. That was a flood analysis. Skagit River Valley is also another flood analysis that's about an hour north of here as well. And um, then also, um, kind of what I presented yesterday, we have Seattle fault scenarios, we have other earthquake scenarios, aftershock scenarios, Cascadia scenarios, and um, I, you know, definitely want to share that with everybody. Um, if, if you're interested, just let me know. I also wanted to let you know kind of uh, some upcoming mapping projects that we have, mainly in Washington. Um, as you know, um, with RISMAP, if we are doing a new flood map in an area, we do have more products that we can deliver. And um, so some of the projects that are upcoming, we're doing a lot of coastal work. And we're doing coastal work in Thurston, Pierce, Kitsap, and Snohomish counties. So with that, you will get depth grids, which there's been a lot of discussion. Those are great to have. Um, that are you, you know normally created in HECRAS and we can easily throw in houses. So that alone is just one great great benefit that we can get from doing mapping in your area. We have a couple um, projects in Oregon and Idaho and Alaska as well. And so if you want more information, just let me know. We're also um, collecting lidar as well for our studies. So we've already collected um, lidar in Kittitas County, and we will be collecting this year in um, Clallam and Jefferson counties all along the coast, as well as um, the Shah Lower Chehalis River and Grace Harbor. And the um, projects in Oregon, I believe, are um, the Upper Rogue. I, you have to, I'll get back to you on that. But um, so those are some of the things that we're doing in a region kind of outside of Hazus, but obviously you can use all of that data, depth grids, and LIDAR to be input into Hazus. So I just want everybody to be aware of that. We try to put any LIDAR data we collect on our Puget Sound LIDAR consortium, which every you can easily just get a, a password and you can download all of our data from there. So some of the things that we're trying to do in the region, we have a lot of hazardous runs, you know, that are pretty out of date from MR3 and MR4, and we're trying to upgrade those to 2.0. Um, we are um, doing kind of a hazardous day, one, one day a month um, within our region to, to really update our inventory. So that would be including general building stock, essential facilities, et cetera. So we're trying to update so everybody can be working on one one data set that's updated. And of course, once that's completed, I can share that with everybody as well. 
We have updated general building stock. Um, our contractor star um, did some of this work. Um, so we have it for those following counties, uh, King, Snohomish, Skagit, Grace Harbor, Cowlitz, Yakima, and Lewis. So um, if you want any of that data, just let me know and I can get it to you. So some of the training, like I mentioned, we're having the Hazus flood course at the end of September. But we're also going to be organizing, through our contractors, um, some webinars. And the goal of these are um, really not for advanced hazardous users, but more for your emergency managers and your planners. And um, to really get them to know how can Hazus help them and how can it be used. So the plan is to kind of show some of our product output that we've done here in Region 10 and try to get some more follow up, you know, follow through for some of these communities to get them to start using the Hazus data and also getting trained themselves. So um, we'll be sending out emails. Becca in the back will um, is organizing those webinars. So um, you can let me know or her know, and we'll make sure that you're on the list to, to be included on those. And um, Kathy's going to talk about you know what we've done in the Washington Hub. Um, it's kind of been lagging a bit because Kathy did to leave a current position, but we're trying to get that started again. And um, I'm going to start with some monthly hazards uh, hug calls. Um, I'll start that next month. And so I'm going to get everybody's contact name that's at the conference that's in Region 10 as well as Canada and get them included on that also. So that's just a few things happening in Region 10. And if you guys do have any you know issues or concerns, let me know and I can help you out or point you to the right person. So here's Kathy. So the Hazus user groups, uh, we restarted the Washington Hug back in November 2008 after we had you know, several major floods. FEMA contacted us, uh, Nick Delmedica, who used to actually work at Region 10, which he's actually left since then. He contacted uh, Emergency Management Division for Washington State asking you know, if we could find out the interest in you know, people starting up the Hazus user group for Washington and see if there was interest out there. I kind of volunteered myself to do that, so I kind of sent out some some meeting notices, sent out some you know interesting you know f interest flyers to the Central Puget Sound GIS user group and some of the other groups that are out out and around here to see you know how many people are interested in you know joining up joining the Hazus user group to see you know what what the interest was there. I got quite a you know quite a good response, so I decided to uh, start the first. Uh, meeting, scheduled the first meeting in March of 2009. We had, you know, a really good turnout, 30 to 40 people actually came from state, local, federal government, private industry. And we, we held it at Camp Murray, which is where the location of the emergency management division is for the state. And we talked about what the primary focus of the group was going to be, and a lot of people were very new to, to, to Hazus. They were new to Hazus, and so the, a lot of the primary goals of the group was to kind of kind of understand what Hazus is, how it can be used, and also the training, because a lot of people wanted to know how to use Hazus, but they were really reluctant to try to just basically install it and try to start pushing buttons because they really wanted to get the training. So that was one of the things that we I focused on. So in April 2009, we actually um, 
started doing some, we actually started a project to actually update the essential facilities data for the state and we contracted with another state agency, a group of GIS professionals at that agency actually updated the essential facilities data for the state which is available if any of you guys want that. Um, we also did some, we also went over some hazard success stories in May of 2009. We had um, Kelly come down and Ed talk about some of their projects and some people thought that, that was really, really good thing to see the kind of applications that you can do with HASIS. And we also looked at default versus local inventory and how it really affects your, your analysis. We looked at Pierce County and just looked at some scenarios for earthquakes and with the default essential facilities data and then we updated the essential facilities data using Pierce County GIS data. And there was a dramatic difference in you know, what those results would be. It really showed that it's worth going and you know, learning how to use CDMS and updating that data. In July of 2009, after you know, uh, we had several meetings, people were like, you know, I really want to learn how to use HASIS. I organized um, a workshop, a two-day workshop at UW Tacoma. I you know, did my you know, higher education, kind of, I work with those people at UW Tacoma. They have a GIS certificate program, which I actually participated in a couple of years before that. And they were you know, willing to have HASIS loaded on the machines and they got everything up and running for me. And we had a, a two-day workshop where you know, people from local, county, state government, some private industry, and we had a couple students that were interested that were UW Tacoma students. They came and they learned how to use the earthquake and flood model. I, I taught that workshop for a couple of days and it seemed to be you know, quite successful and people were really, you know, really interested in further training in that manner. You know, maybe they are not able to go to EMI for training because you know, of state restrictions on travel or their city or county restrictions on travel, but a workshop they thought for two days was doable from their supervisor who let them go to that. In September in 2009, that's when we had a meeting where Ed and Kelly actually talked about, Kelly talked about her Howard Hansen Dam project, which was the Green River Valley project that she talked about, and Ed talked about his uh, Snoqualmie Hazus project, and people thought that that was really, uh, really, really good to see those kind of applications of Hazus in like a real, real environment. In January of 2010, um, the mitigation, um, mitigation section at EMD funded a couple classes that actually Kevin came out and he actually taught um, the CDMS class for a group of a group of local, state, and federal people, and also he taught the hazards for risk assessment, which is what the mitigation planning class used to be called, which is actually show people. There was a lot of people that for there from county and city government that were working on mitigation plans, and they wanted to be able to incorporate incorporate hazards, but they really didn't know how to do that. And so that course actually you know led them the way to do that. We also held a workshop in February of 2010 of the same year. We're teaching people how to install houses because a lot of, you know, there's, there's issues with installing it. There used to be. And it's, it's much smoother now in 2.0. Thank you. Um, and then we did like a basic houses. This is how you know, do a level one analysis. And this is how you do some updating of the data using uh, CDMS. And then March of 2010, um, there was a class for, uh, we did a basic houses class up at uh, FEMA Region 10 where I think Kevin taught it via WebEx. It was like a, a national thing that, you know, 20 or so people actually got to come out and take uh, basic hazards using doing a webinar. I think you were like in the East Coast or something like that, Kentucky, yeah. So that was actually a pretty cool experience. We all had to bring our own laptops and uh, prior to that, you know, I helped, that was part of the reason why we had that workshop is helping people who are gonna go to that class install the software, install CDMS and learn, make, basically make sure it worked before they, they went about trying to do that class in March. 
And then May of 2010, we completed the data project for Hazus. Um, it's been updated, so that was an MR4 version of Hazus data, so it obviously hasn't been updated for 2.0, but that should be you know, easy to do. And uh, you can actually get it if you contact the military department. They still have it. And um, we also used HAZIS in the Washington's 2010 Enhanced Hazard Mitigation Plan. I actually worked with Bev O'Day, who was the hazard mitigation strategist on that, on that plan, and uh, we used HAZIS throughout that plan to, uh, to determine risk and, and, and whatnot to things. And we also talked about some open source tools. A lot of people said, you know, I'm limited to only having an ArcView license with HAZIS because that's the minimum and it's the cheapest. So I also, in that meeting for the WAHUG, we talked about some of the open source tools that are available to enhance those geoprocessing capabilities when you only have an ArcView license. And then as part of, uh, since MR4 wasn't um, considered um, being able to run on Windows 7, I actually produced a couple um, technical compendium articles that Jamie helped me with um, talking about how to install MR4 of Hazus on Windows 7 and actually how to run MR4 in, on the virtual PC and in Windows XP mode in, in uh, Windows 7. So those two articles are out there and I've gotten some pretty good feedback from people when they, when Hazus wasn't, a, you know, wasn't able to run in Windows 7 that they were actually able to go through those technical compendium articles and actually get that version of Hazus to run. So it seemed to be pretty successful. And then in July of 2010, I got offered a position to work at the state superintendent's office and I left the military department and what I was doing for EMD there. And so since then, the WAHUG unfortunately hasn't been going, but I'd really like to see it you know, continue because I think there's been a, a tremendous, there was a tremendous um, interest in it and there was people who participated in you know, all, these, all these different meetings and workshops. So as of uh, July 2010, there was about 55 people that were participating in the WAHUG and they were from all levels of government, academia, private industry. They um, were, we were form form uh, mostly focused on the training and hazardous best practices and people really wanted to collaborate when the, the opportunities were available. And we also have um, a pretty good list and I went through when we were making these slides of hazardous practitioners and trained professionals and you saw the people who raised their hand. There's, there's quite a few people and hopefully I didn't miss anybody but I went through the, the lists that I could find of all the people in our state that are hazardous trained practitioners and professionals and there's quite a few of them. There's, so there's some people around this region that are, you know, quite, you know, well-versed in, in the software. And I really think that WAHUG is, you know, it's, it's an important resource for Hazus users. It's a way to connect with people, to find out best practices, you know, to be able to reach somebody that may be, a, you know, an expert in the technical aspects of the software. So if you have a bug or an issue, they can help you work through it. And I, I would really like to see it, you know, continue. Thank you. 